0: Welcome, everyone, to the Kathy Lee Parker Show, the number one place for enlightened and entertaining guests, positive vibes, and information that is spot on. And now, for your listening pleasure, your host, Kathy Lee Parker.
1: Thank you for tuning in. Hey, discover your family history and start your family tree. My next guest is has interest in our family history and genealogy work and research and family trees, records, all kinds of fun stuff. His name is Ken Monson and Ken, welcome to my show. Well,
2: thank you, Kathy. I'm happy to be
1: here. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, this is an exciting time to learn about genealogy because, you know, you got three generations. I mean, some people are living with three generations, like their parents and their grandparents, and a few people still have their great-grandparents still with them, too. So that's exciting. But anyway, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Ken, and and uh, we can start with that. Sure.
2: Yeah. I was born in Salt Lake City, raised in a suburb called West Jordan. Okay. Um, My mother's, Pardon? I said okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) My mother is from Chile, so I grew up with uh, English and Spanish at home. Mm -hmm. Parents were all from Sweden. I did hear a little bit of Swedish until I was about four years old. I really wish we could have kept that in the family. Um, Language has always been uh, an integral part of my life, and since my childhood, because my mom was from another country and I had contacts that uh, had come from another country, it was always interesting to me about that connection, that connection to my family. And I knew that uh, with some of the stories in my family history, that we were connected to some very important people in some unusual ways. And so family history has always been uh, a theme for me. Um, I served a mission for the Eldest Church in Argentina, came home with the Argentine accent. Um, It's always been a blessing to me. It has always helped me in doing my family history on my mother's side, and uh, being able to find out that uh, some of my ancestors actually crossed from Chile into Argentina. One of them was the, the Rosas line, and one of those uh, distant relatives was actually General Jose Manuel Vosso who became president of Argentina. And uh, so it's kind of an interesting thing for me to have been able to go and, and be there. Um,
1: I find that genealogy or family history, which one you want to call it, um, it's more like a hobby, but it's also a hobby that's addicted. You know, you can get addicted it to this.
2: It is very addictive. And it's because you can relate it So well to yourself. I do want to make a little bit of a distinction, though. Genealogy is is more of a general term. It's more used, uh, related to names and dates. But I think family history, as a part of genealogy, is actually what's more interesting. It's more about the story. Uh, Since I've been home off my mission for more than 30 years, I have taught family history and genealogy for years. I'm not an expert. Uh, Please don't ever think that I am. I can never think that I am. I know that there's always more to learn, but I have never ceased to be amazed as I've interacted with uh, people in the classes that I've taught about the mix that they have, the stories that they have, um, the explanations as to why their family is the way that their family is. I mean, it really can get deep. And it can get very personal. And I think that's part of why it gets so addictive. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, tell me, how does a person start or begin tracing, you know, or getting start with their family tree?
2: That is a very birth. good question. And okay. I always have the same answer. Your genealogy actually starts with you. Oh. You start with your own birth certificate. Uh, Take a look at it. It'll state some facts about yourself. It'll state where you were born, and then take a very close look. It should state who your parents are. This is where you're starting to climb the tree. So you're going from the base root. Now you've got two branches. You've got your mother on one side. Now the next certificate to look for, if you can, are their birth certificates or possibly a marriage certificate that could give you more information. Quite often, um, their parents were witnesses to the marriage, and it could give you information on who they were and a little bit more information. So you you start with genealogies with yourself. Uh, and then there's a lot of other types of records to look at.
1: Cool. And what does it mean, like, my last name? Does my last name have a meaning to it, you know, when it comes to doing... Genealogy.
2: Most likely, it does. Um, my name, Monson, is a patronymic. It is the ah. name that passed down from yes, a patronymic. It means passed down from father to the descendant. So, my name actually means the son of Mon. Mon's back in Sweden is actually a nickname for the name Magnus. So, if we were to use the full name, my act, na- my actual last name should be Magnuson. Your last name, Lee. Um, has a tradition to it. It's Parker. Kathy Lee Parker. Parker. Well, Parker. Okay, and that's very English. It would be interesting to find where that came from and find out what it means. There's a lot of different origins for names. Some people, like the name Smith, uh, Cooper, uh, Fletcher, these were all names of uh, the job that that person had. Fletcher was the guy that put the feathers on the arrows. Uh, Cooper was a guy that uh, helped build barrels, usually. Smith, there are so many different types of Smith. Um, It really can get interesting and give you a clue as to who those people were and, and what they did. So there is a lot of meaning behind your name.
1: I noticed I've gone past eight generations and some of my family names. And just why I got you, can on my show is because I am addicted to family um, genealogy work. <laughs> I have been doing you it for since I was 19. I start and then I stop. I have to stop for a while. Okay, I've got to stop this. Because it gets, you know, It's like a, it's like a – have to have your coffee in the morning or something. It's like, you know, something like going to have. And, um, and you're always thinking, like, who can I talk to? Who can I talk to? But, um, you know, family names talk about the name. They always change. You know, I'll go, you know, pay happy going to eight generation. Then all of a sudden, somebody decides to change the last name or uh, spell it different. You know, and that's kind of frustrating. And then you're like, no, don't
2: change the name. Well, that's that's good and bad in in different ways. It's bad because it makes it hard to find records when the name has changed. But if you can find out why the name changed, there's a story there, and it can get your attention. We have a name in Sweden. My great-grandmother, her last name is Gardelius. Well, Uh Gardelius, that almost sounds Italian. What are Italians doing in Sweden? That didn't make sense. And it took us quite a bit to find out that uh, I had to actually take a class on family history names in Sweden to find out it was not Gardelius originally. It was Gard. Well, how did we Uh get the Elias on the end? And it turns out the U.S. on the end is Latinized because I have an ancestor that actually got a doctorate in a university and in Sweden. That gave him the right to Latinize his last name.
1: Oh, so so then he carried it
2: on. He carried it on. So his name, Gard, meant garden or farm. And when he got his doctorate in theology, this is 300 years ago, he was able legally to change his name to Garden of Light, which was Garda. Use or Garden of Light. Wow, well, there's the story. Well, wow, that explains why the name change.
1: Interesting, yeah, because that was a little frustrating. But I also too noticed that, um, you know, because I was helping somebody else with their genealogy. I mean, genealogy, and uh, it wasn't even. It was just three generations where, when they got off the boat become American citizens, they decided right then and there to change their
2: name. Yeah, that's another one. Um, either when they became citizens or going through Ellis Island. My yes. great-grandfather, going through, Monson. That's it was. Yeah, they don't have all the, all the letters in English like they do in Swedish. And so our last name became shorter by two letters, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had somebody with her one letter offset them, and they were like, "No way!" And it just it changed because it helped them do more research. You know, further back they understand, but yeah, it could have been two. They were Welsh and uh, probably didn't speak the English very well, and, uh, and the person trans you know writing them in when I mean, they came over gave them a whole different name.
2: And they went with it. Very frustrating on that one. There's a lot of different types of records that can help you to uh, to find where those changes happened. Um, Legal records, court records, um, the records. But did they uh, have
1: court Did they have court records in you know three generations ago in the 1800s?
2: All court records go all the way back to about 1,200, depending on what was going on and where. Um, mm-hmm. You can find all sorts of probate records, uh, marriage records, divorce records, tax records, um, mm-hmm. birth certificates, christening certificates through church instead of court, immunization records. Going back to uh, in England, they started immunization records in 1857. School records, university records, military records, passports, immigration records, wedding announcements, even wedding announcements in local newspapers, marriage certificates uh, mentioned, real estate records, tax records, prison records. <laughs> get a little bit interesting. My ancestor did what?
3: <laughs>
2: Maybe that's why we got the naughtiness in our family. Um, death records, burial certificates. Uh, burial certificates in Sweden can be very interesting because you get a death date, date, and the burial certificate is from three or four months later. It's wow! Like, Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, and it's because the the ground was frozen too hard to to dig a grave, and they'd actually leave the the body in the casket in in the barn over the winter, and then when things thawed out enough. Then they would dig the grave, and that's why you have a burial certificate months later. But that's mm-hmm. another explanation of the situation they were in. Um, insurance oh, my records, gosh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. It, it, I
1: did not know that. That's interesting to know because I've been doing it for 40 years and – well, I say 30 years. But anyway, it sounds like 40. But, you know, I go off and on for like, you know, do it for – a year and a half, and then I take six months off <laughs> because it gets frustrating sometimes too when you can't find something.
2: I understand and I agree. It can be frustrating. But there's some things you have to learn. One is uh, you have to limit yourself a little bit. If you do too much, you can burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. And it's a mistake. Um, so you just kind of want to pace yourself a little bit. Um, another thing is you repeat a search that you've already done. You need to take notes on where you have already looked and what you've already found. That also can be a clue for someone else coming in later saying, oh, look, my my dad or my grandma or my my aunt or uncle uh, already looked through this. Um, Maybe you can find something that they didn't see or you know that, okay, there's nothing there. Let's avoid wasting that time there. And so you have to kind of judge a little bit. Don't burn yourself out. It is an exciting thing. It is addictive. But don't burn yourself out. You do have to pace yourself a little bit.
1: Where can I find the book on my family? You know, I mean, I know people...
2: Yeah. There's... um, Some families do have someone that has done research. I found uh, that I have a distant cousin who did a lot of research on my dad's side of the family. I had to go to another county. had to find them, meet them, um, and uh, I got two copies of the book. Uh, So there's somebody that did. Uh, You can do a look uh, or a search on Google um, to see if there is a book on your family name. The question is whether or not it is your family or another family with the same name. Um, but one thing that you can do is take a generation back, let say go to your, your grandparents, and then find your aunts and uncles and see if you have cousins that are also doing research, and collaborate with them. Be willing to share what you have, and then thank them when they share something with you. And it's possible that your cousin might have found information that you're looking for, and that happened to me. I was surprised to find a cousin that had a line that went all the way back, believe it or not, to the four hundred. Wow, yeah, that's so that, pretty far <laughs> so that back. A little bit of collaboration. Yeah, I had to go all the way to California uh, and meet my cousin Sherry, I'd never met before, and she had records that I had never seen before. I took my oldest son with me, and here's another aspect of family history is on the culture. As we were going through Nevada, I told him, I says, we are going to stop in Elko. We're going to go to a Basque restaurant, and I'm going to introduce you to your Basque ancestry. He like, what? I said, yes. I said, on your grandma's side, you have Basque ancestors from the north of Spain. So we stopped into a Basque restaurant. He just got a certificate as a chef. And we ordered some Basque food, and by the time we were done, he had cleaned his plate. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but so do you like your Hmm.
1: Interesting, interesting. Okay. And, uh, you know, what about uh, genealogy software? What's the best genealogy software?
2: That is a very good question, and the thing is that there are so many programs out there. So they're excellent. Um, some of them integrate with others. Um, it's a question really of, of your style. Um, what's available to you. If you're not in the United States, uh, if you're in, in Europe or if you're in, uh, Africa or if you're, um, say in Australia, uh, it depends on what's available. It depends on what you like. um, it's a question of doing some search. This would be a really good topic for even another show because there's so much available. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really a big subject. Wow.
1: That sounds like really a lot of fun. And, um, well, can't just sit back, and we're going to go into a commercial. So we'll be okay. right back after these messages.
4: All righty. There's a reason Summit County residents have been choosing Park City Mattress for 10 years. With Seenie, Serta, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns and Foster right here in Park City. And the lowest price guaranteed. Park City Mattress in Redstone Village at Kimball Junction. See us at PCMattress.com.
3: Head and Home Horse Rescue Foundation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that rescues both wild and domestic horses and other equine that are either unwanted, neglected, abused, or their humans move. Heading Home helps rehabilitate them to be used in equine therapy to help those in need. We could use your support. You can contact us at 801-910-2698.
5: Hey, this is Vinnie James, and you're listening to bbsradio.com. Do you know how much equity is in your home, condo, or townhome? Do you want to lower your rate and take cash out? We're Valorum Equity, and we make mortgages easier. Give us a call at 800-764-9072 or visit ValorumEquity.com to receive your free home assessment today.
4: Trouble sleeping? The mattress you choose makes all the difference. How do you select from thousands? At Mattress Warehouse, we do things differently. We fit you to the right mattress that you will love for many years and get up to eight months on our comfort guarantee. That's how sure we are about getting you the best night's sleep. Visit MattressWarehouseUtah.com and download your free Mattress Buyer's Guide to help you select the right mattress at the best price.
5: MattressWarehouseUtah.com
0: Hey, this is Rocktop Construction, Rocktop is a family-owned business based out of Utah. We specialize in replacing worn or storm-damaged roofs and understand how to assist homeowners with property claims. For reliable service and the best value on a quality and energy-efficient roof, call Rocktop Construction at 801-567-1234. We have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Again, that's 801-567-1234 to find out more about how we
5: can protect your home. If you or someone you know is looking to find the right business to buy, to franchise an existing successful business, or even to sell a business, contact businessresource.com. B-I-Z-N-I-S, businessresource.com. Business Resource also specializes in helping existing businesses find capital and other important resources to help them be more efficient and more effective. Call 385 528 Eight five eight four today. Three eighty-five five twenty-eight eighty five eighty four. Businessresource.com.
1: I'm back here. Um, discover your family history and start of your family tree. And I'm sitting here with Kent Monson. So Kent, tell me, you know, a little bit about um, you know, we talked about how we got we can get started and yeah. um what you know? Tell me about what's your first cousin? You know, twice removed. I mean, how does that all fit in?
2: There's a ranking. Um, your cousin <laughs> is the child of a brother or sister of either your mother or father. Okay, so on the on the generational side, you're at the same level. When you talk about uh, a second cousin. That means the distance is one more generation back. So that means you have to go. Yeah,
1: but, uh, I mean, I'm like first cousin and then twice remove? I mean, how does that?
2: I'll get to that that in just a second. Okay. Okay. You've got to understand what a second cousin is. Okay. So we'll go to a generation farther back, let's say grandparents, not just parents, but grandparents, and then the grandchildren, okay, Uh, going one generation back farther, now they're second cousins. But when you talk about a first cousin once removed, let's say that uh, the daughter of my mom's sister, who is my cousin, has a son, okay? Mm -hmm. That is removed once from that generation level. So that is a cousin, first cousin once removed. If we go farther out, say if it's a first cousin twice removed, that would be the grandchild of my first cousin. So first cousin and then twice removed would be up or down on that line, one or two generations. That's where mm-hmm. you get the once removed, twice removed, et cetera. It can get a little bit complicated. It's,
1: I always wondered, puzzled with that. You know, like a tongue twister.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> bit anyway, bit, yeah.
1: but anyway, how can you tell if you're related to somebody famous, or you come from royal family, to the president, to, you know, who knows, someone that after is really well known.
2: There are some uh, some programs online uh, that mm-hmm. can um, show you if you're, uh, if you have your history your family history put in, it will uh, show you the relationship you have to, say, President Roosevelt um, or some other person, some person of royalty. A lot of people are, in one way or another, descendants from some royal family. As the Uh families go farther back, uh, of course, the descendants get spread out farther. So you find that, oh, I'm a descendant of French royalty and a descendant of German royalty and a descendant farther back to Italian royalty, etc. Um, there's ways to find out. One, if you can find your family crest, there may be a clue on there. There may be a symbol that says uh, that you're a nobility or aristocracy, or possibly from a royal, a royal line.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, to speak loudly here, um, I have my. Mike- Um, grandmother on my mother's side I um, put her name in ancestry file (laughs) and I just watched it grow and it went so far back into the BC times but when I but it's a great it's all my great grandfathers you know grandfather, grandmother, grandfather, grandmother you know what I mean it's back and forth and I'm like holy smokes, who are you? I was saying to my grandmother. But guess where it came from? Um, the king of France. He married, he left France, the last king of France. He left France to go to England to marry a Spanish woman. And of course, they had a lot of children again. And of course, some came over here. And I'm the you know, the grandchild from King, you know, Phillips here from France. So I could never inherit royalty because France does not allow that. Once you leave the country and you're royalty, you lose that those rights. And I thought, Mm -hmm. You gotta be kidding me So, but anyway. So that's my sad story, but but cool in one way because I'm related to him and then of course his line goes straight up and and all those other people and cross over to you know the king of um london i mean europe and stuff like that this goes on and on and on the royal families so it's quite fascinating and um and it's interesting too because they show flags they show their faces i got pictures of them and stories and and everything. It's fascinating when you get into the royal families. I have, nobody, I have nobody famous <laughs> on her line, but I have it on the Italian side, but I have nobody famous on that side. It's quite fascinating when you do genealogy, because then you know who you really are. Do you agree?
2: Yes, and it's something that you should look for. It doesn't matter to me what your heritage is, I think you should be proud of it, whatever that heritage is. It's your heritage. The, what about DNA:
1: What do you think about this DNA stuff? You
2: know DNA you is a very interesting topic. Um, it can give you some answers. It can also give you some surprises. Really um, Don't <laughs> Yes, it can. I have a very good friend. Uh, we met, uh, while well, we were extras on a movie set and we got talking about this very thing about the DNA. He's African-American and very proud of his heritage, which is a very good thing. And we were talking about the DNA. He was curious to know where his lines came from Africa, and I, I suggested to him, well, why don't you do the DNA test and find out? And I told him at the same time, uh, don't be too surprised because... Sometimes the DNA, which never lies, gives you some information you never expected. And a few weeks later, he calls me up and says, Ken, Ken, you got to look at this. And I'm like, okay. And uh, he gives me his username and password, and I said, you know, you shouldn't. He said, no, no, you've got to look at this. So I pull it up, and we're going down through this thing, and it gets to the pie chart that shows what percentage where his ancestors are from. Well... Twenty-three and a half percent was from West Africa, which is what we would have expected. One and a half percent was from Portugal, which is very likely because the Portuguese were very much involved with the slave trade, and apparently something happened there. But the big surprise is that 75 percent of his ancestry came from Sweden. (gasps) <gasps> says, oh, like
1: oh 75%. Man, that's a lot.
2: Man. He he says, "I was so shocked to find out I'm the darkest chocolate in Sweden." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that is too funny. Yeah. I right.
2: like <laughs> I would never have suspected, but it's it's there. It's there. And so you know, it, it, okay, it gave him an answer he was looking for, but it also gave him some information he did not expect. Okay, uh-huh. I haven't yet done mine. It's time. I should do mine and get some answers done. Okay, but the DNA is, 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 a, is a shocking way of finding out who you are biologically. One thing that uh, is not always reflected when you do the research is when there's an adoption. Oh. Or an illegitimacy, Yes. And so you're, well, I know I'm a descendant of so-and-so, and you do your DNA, and, and there's that person is not in there. And mm-hmm. you get a little bit surprised. Uh, or there's somebody in there that you didn't want to be in there. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact is, it's your DNA. It's the biology, not always the way the family relationship or the way the, the history was. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: as we would expect
1: it to be. Wow, that is way cool. Um, yeah, I I got the DNA done many, many years ago when it first came out. I want to do it again, so I'm probably going to do it again because they sent me all this stuff and I didn't understand. I looked at it and I'm like, okay, there's all these numbers and all this other stuff, but it did show, and I was laughing, I have like a 1% of Africa. Block, but the Italians, Sicilians, Seheren, were traded. Yeah. They were traded. The women were very white, impure, and pure, so they were traded in slavery. Yeah, I remember studying the culture of Sicily and you know a few other stuff. But yeah, and how they were traded. So I'm like, ah, oh. so that's where my mother gets those dark eyes. <laughs> my mm. mom has very dark eyes, but um. Yeah. But anyway, but make the long story short, so this is quite interesting. So where can I find my, you know, the birth and death and marriage records? Especially marriage records okay, are always the hardest
2: a lot to of, find. There's a lot of different sources. Um, when you're looking for birth records, marriage records, death records, most often in Europe, you're looking through a church, a church record. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic, but I'm very thankful to these to the Catholics that kept the records. Um yeah, my dad's side, yes they did. In in Sweden, they were Lutheran. They kept very good records from about sixteen forty on. And I am very thankful for them for having kept the records. And that's where I would have to go if I needed to find a marriage record. And something else that we don't have in the United States was called a ban, which was a marriage announcements like saying, Okay, me and this chick we're together and we're gonna get married. That means mm-hmm. hands off. Okay. And to do it properly, of course, they would use much more formal language than I just used and it had to be done at least three times. And it became wow. a record of the church. So there's there's another record there okay, there's another way of finding out who these people were and where they were at and, and what church they belonged to, which could also be another clue to finding farther generations back. So that's one way. Um, here in the United States, one thing that we have that is not a marriage record, a, a birth record or a death record, is the census record. And okay. you have to understand something. that is That, that information is locked up for 72 years, and so if you're looking for census records, you have to understand that information will not and cannot be released for at least 72 years. You have to go back more than 72 years to start looking for information. But if you know how to look at the dates of how old a person is, when they were when that census was taken, and then compare it to 10 years earlier, you might be able to, to find out uh, who was born in what order, uh, who grew up uh-huh. and got married or died before they were able to reach adulthood. There's a lot of information that's available. It um, can give you the sources, um, an immigrant ancestor's home country, their, um, the job that they used to have, or if they, if they were a farmer, if they, were, uh, if they had been literate or not. Uh, there's a lot of information, and so there's a wealth there. There's so many different kinds of records. Don't get discouraged if you can't find this person one way. There's always a possibility of finding that person that you're looking for another way.
1: The problem I have trouble finding is the marriage records. I mean, I'm like, i got to find a marriage record on my eighth-generation grandparents. You know, I'm like, I'm earth do i go to find that that's that's hard
2: it can be um you've got to be a little bit of a detective mm-hmm. In places in south america those records don't exist and the reason is because there was no church authority to perform a marriage and so a couple would get together. Everyone in the town agreed and understood that they were a couple. And then when the the priest or vicar or pastor would come through town, everybody would get together and basically get in a line and do one marriage after another, after another, after another, after another. And everybody would get married all on the same day. And wow. that, that priest would, would keep records of the whole thing. And then when he got back to the chapel or cathedral or church or wherever he was based at, then that would be entered in. And so you're looking for records in, in what is now a town, but back then it was just a settlement. And so you'd have to go probably to the next bigger town to see if you can find a church that may have that record. And so that's one way um, and then in some places, they waited for years and years, and no priest came through. So they never did get married. They just understood that they were a couple, that they were, and they, were, they had as strong a bond as if they were married, but they were still waiting for a priest to come through and get the, the, the actual ordinance done for them. And so, you know, you may not find it, but there's other ways to find those people. And one is through sometimes the uh, real estate records or tax records, are more accurate than the marriage records.
1: Yeah, because that was something I was hard find. But I was very um, lucky when it came, when I went back, because I had four generations to go back to B.C. time in America, really, like 200 B.C. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I have to show it so you can. No. And I, your mouth would drop open. You're like, holy crap, who are you? But anyway, but... um. Make the length of it short. Is um, um, uh, due to royal families; and they kept the records. But man, what if you're not royal or anything like that? You know, you're just a you know a person on the side of the street, and you met this cute lady, and da da da, da. in twelve hundred. You know, the year of twelve hundred 1200 or twelve hundred and fifty six. You know, yeah, um, you. Yeah. They, they just go and father, marry them. You know what I mean? That was, you know, their children off. I always wondered about that. I mean, you see well, it in, in the, the movies. Ten, <laughs> ten, you see, it, you see it in the movies. Yeah, I you mean, see it in the movies, Ken. But, you know, I always wondered about that. Because, you know, I... Yeah, I was very lucky because I have a lot of royalty in my family. So I'm very... You know, lucky because they kept records and they did, you know, because I have proof that such-and-such such got married on such-and-such such a day. But um, I always wondered about somebody who doesn't have royalty. So
2: they're just like that what you're saying, hard. right? Um hard. Yeah. Another thing that uh, comes up is uh, if you, you go back to the plagues in Europe. Yeah. Um, we had just one or two children of a whole family that survived the plague. And uh, the children would be taken to an orphanage, and they only knew their first name. Mm -hmm. And so what became common is that they would put in the first name, and then the second slot for the last name was blank. And Mm -hmm. they would use the word for blank, which actually means white, in that language. So if you you come across a, a person who in English the last name is white, it might be because they had an ancestor that survived the plague as a child, and nobody knew who, which family they were from, or what their last name really was. And you mm-hmm. see the same thing in Spanish, blanco, or a last name in Italian, bianco, or mm-hmm. in German, Weiss. Wow, wow, quite interesting.
1: I find that sometimes. One time when I was um, it was many years ago probably about 30 years ago, when I was doing genealogy and I was back into the 18, 1700s, I felt like I was living because I'm looking for these records and, you know, books. And at that time, 30 years ago, you had these tapes or what do you call it? Like a film. Yeah, film. And you had to go <laughs> and look it up That's and you're that. thinking seventeen hundred seventeen fifty 1750, you know. You know, I'm looking for these records and, and you read about such and such and, you know, or the history of where they lived. And it's quite fascinating because you really, like, grow into, you know, that time period. You ever find right. that with yourself when you're researching?
2: Oh, yeah. And I encourage it. Uh, dig into the culture. That's one way of... of understanding your ancestors and what they lived through. Um, oh, some
1: I remember some lived through the um, the plague and stuff that they had in Europe. There was also something, too, that happened in Ohio. I had some family in Ohio. And there was a lot of deaths. And I'm thinking, holy smoke, what happened? You know, there was like a plague where a lot of people died, fever, things like that. And I remember there's many children that died Yes, and only, like you said, a few survived. It's quite interesting. That was interesting, too. Um, you know, like we were talking about, where do my ancestors come from? You know, um, it's good to study on who they are, correct?
2: Oh, yeah. Study the history of the places they were from. That can give you a clue as to where they moved around. I have a name oh. on my mom's side, um, her grandmother's last name in Chile was Garcon, which is Mm -hmm. not Spanish. That's French. Mm -hmm. And how does a French name show up in northern Chile about 1800, when there were no French going to that part of Chile? And we Mm -hmm. trace back, and we find that the first Garcon that was there was there about 1531, So that's when only the Spanish were going to Chile. So how does a French name end up in northern Chile when only the Spanish are going? We had to do some history search and came to find that that name is common in northern Spain, especially around an area called Santiago de Compostela. And back in the Middle Ages, there were a lot of people that would do pilgrimages from all over Europe. And apparently, a French pilgrim, about maybe 1,400, took the pilgrimage and went from France to Spain and stayed. That's how the French name got into Spain. And then a few generations later, he has a grandson who goes to colonize in the New World. So studying the history of an area can actually give you a little bit of a clue as to what may have happened and where these people came from and why they moved around. There's a lot to look for. Mm -hmm.
1: Tell me about, you know, like old photos. Can you learn something from looking at old photos?
2: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We know a picture can be worth a thousand words, but what I really want to tell you is to also look at what is written on the back. Um, I sent you a few photos. Uh, three, one of my grandfather is about 18, no, pardon me, about 1927. Uh, he's wearing clothing from that style or from that time. If I did not know when that photo had been taken, there's a chance that from the style of the clothing, I could identify about what his age is. And then taking a look, kind of getting an idea of how old he is to give me a clue about when he might have been born and that could help me actually look for his birth certificate. I sent you a photo of his father uh-huh. that photo was taken back in Sweden and the style is different, the hairstyle is different, he's got a mustache this is something more European, Is not from the United States that's a big clue that comes out of that one and then as I look at the clothing style that is from about 1880, 1885. So that gives me a little bit more of a clue about where he was and what, what, how old he was at that time. I also sent you a photo of one of my great uh, grandmothers who at the time she was about 14 years old at about uh, 1904 is when that photo was taken. And you take a look at her hairstyle you take a look at the, the dress that she was wearing, and you know that's definitely not modern. That's definitely going way back. But I also found a photo done by a Swedish uh, photographer that was done almost exactly the same. And that photo he took was in 1902. And I'm wondering if she did that photo to mimic what he had done or if it was a popular style back in Sweden at that time. So it gives me a chance to kind of gauge the chronology of their age, where they're from, what culture they're from, what time at that age. So there's a lot to learn from photos. Um, good grief. Don't ever toss one away. Take another look at it. Take a look at the back. Um, try and find out if possible who wrote that. Uh, they might mention a name. They might, might, they might say this is, uh, Ellen's granddaughter. Okay, or we find out who Ellen was and then find out through there who the granddaughters were. And if there's none listed, oh, hey, we have a person that's never been found. Let's see if we can find them. So there's a lot to learn from photos.
1: Mm -hmm. I noticed that in the 1800s as well, they kept family Bibles. You know, they're really big and thick. And you flip them over and they have everybody's name. You know, it's, you know. Grandma such and such kept, or grandpa such and such kept the records. And somebody gets married, somebody gets born, and they write it down.
2: You a lot know, of information.
1: I yeah, that's um, where I got a lot of mine from my father's side because they kept this huge, gigantic Bible. And then on the back, man, it was so thick, and I had a lot of names, who was who, and you know what year they were born, and then newspaper clippings too. That's another, now, yeah. do you think newspaper clippings are, do you still have to verify them to make sure that that's correct, or well, what here, you do?
2: It was printed, and it came from a paper. In the United mm-hmm. States, there are a lot of little town papers, small town papers, that have been microfilmed, and yeah, so you can, you can research and, and find, you may even be able to find the entire newspaper from that day and find out what was going on, but it was clipped and and it was stored for a reason. So there was something important about it. It's a detail. There's something there to it. So there's some information there. It may be more important than just simple simply the paper it was printed on.
1: Yeah, so, I, when I was telling you before, when I was doing my research, it was f- films and stuff like that. And I remember going through some newspapers and. You know, and I would find even more because when I found, um, you know, my grandmother Bird, I found her sisters. I found, you know, other people, and then led me further, and further back. And I found out they're from England. Yeah, you know, I mean, when they came over, you know, it talks about it. And then I go in and I verify it with the other files, just to make sure. You know, and there I had my information. It was quite fascinating. And uh, yeah. my family, too, was always, you know, the new, not newspaper, uh, newspaper, you know, something such bought this property, blah, 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 you know, it goes on and on and on. And it's quite interesting, really interesting to learn about them. And then you really get to know who your grandparents are. And speaking of that, really quickly, Ken, I, I um, grew up with really good handwriting. You know, and I wrote really good and my mother had it and guess where we got it from? My great grandfather. He was awarded for a signature and I saw his signature and I thought, Oh my gosh, that's where his that's where I got that talent from. It's from him. So that's just I believe that talent, like the DNA <laughs> kinda of rubs off, you know what I mean? I mean
3: yeah.
1: you know, he was very artistic. So yeah, that's where I got it from, besides my yeah. mother. and My mother got it from him, so it got handed down. But anyway, well, this has been so exciting to learn so much. I mean, I think we can talk about genealogy for another couple hours because there's so oh, yeah. much to talk about here. But anyway, but sit back, and we'll be right back after
4: these messages. There's a reason Summit County residents have been choosing Park City Mattress for 10 years. With Seenie, Certa, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns and Foster right here in Park City. And the lowest price guaranteed. Park City Mattress in Redstone Village at Kimball Junction. See us at PCMattress.com.
3: Head and Home Horse Rescue Foundation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that rescues both wild and domestic horses and other equine that are either unwanted, neglected, abused, or their humans move. Heading Home helps rehabilitate them to be used in equine therapy to help those in need. We could use your support. You can contact us at 801-910-2698. It's time to live your journey. Envision being stress-free. The Life Vessel is relaxation therapy that helps reduce stress, manage pain, detoxifies on all levels, supports the immune system, and balances hormones. Life Vessel uses an infrared light source that increases blood circulation and oxygen to the cells. Life Vessel of Utah does that and so much more. Call at 801-864-1300, lifevesselofutah.com.
5: Do you know how much equity is in your home, condo, or townhome? Do you want to lower your rate and take cash out? We're Valorum Equity, and we make mortgages easier. Give us a call at 800-764-9072 or visit ValorumEquity.com to receive your free home assessment today.
4: Trouble sleeping? The mattress you choose makes all the difference. How do you select from thousands? At Mattress Warehouse, we do things differently. We fit you to the right mattress that you will love for many years and get up to 8 months on our comfort guarantee. That's how sure we are about getting you the best night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com and download your free mattress buyer's guide to help you select the right mattress at the best price.
5: Mattresswarehouseutah.com.
0: Hey, this is Rocktop Construction. Rock Top is a family-owned business based out of Utah. We specialize in replacing worn or storm-damaged roofs and understand how to assist homeowners with property claims. For reliable service and the best value on a quality and energy-efficient roof, call Rocktop Construction at 801-567-1234. We have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Again, that's 801-567-1234 to find out
5: more about how we can protect your home. If you or someone you know is looking to find the right business to buy, to franchise an existing successful business, or even to sell a business, contact businessresource.com. B-I-Z-N-I-S, businessresource.com. Business Resource also specializes in helping existing businesses find capital and other important resources to help them be more efficient and more effective. Call 385 528 8584 today,
1: 385 528 8584, businessresource.com. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm sitting here with Kent Monson. He's research genealogy. And, Kent, tell me um, if I had information off of a record, especially if it's in another language, what do I do? Help me with this.
2: Well, first off, don't get scared. You found a <laughs> record, so that means yeah. you have information there that you can get from it. There's a lot of different sources where you can get help. One, um, I don't, I don't recognize things from say Google Translate as an official, certified translation. Please don't ever. Um, if you want something that is translated correctly, you may want to find someone who's certified as a translator for that language, but. If you know what kind of record it is, you have a a pretty decent idea of, of getting some of the basic idea, some of the basic information off of it. For example, if you know it's a birth certificate, you know that there's probably going to be three names there, the name of the individual and then the two names of the parent. And then you're going to also look for a date of when they were born, possibly a date of when it was recorded, and then possibly also the place. And it may give just the city, it may give a city-state, may give a city-state and country. That can be kind of questionable as to where that record was. Don't don't give up hope when it's in another language. Um, Mm -hmm. If you find that you have an interest in that language, I'd encourage you to go and learn it. Of course, that's another thing you could do. Mm -hmm. But uh, don't be discouraged.
1: You mentioned history as a source. How can that help me?
2: Well, for one, I talked about uh, the Garçon family. Um, understanding what happened in the area can give you some clues as to where people move around or why they moved into the area or why they moved out. Um, where uh, the Garçon line that we found is in northern Chile, there was a war in 1872 in that area between the combined forces of Peru and Bolivia with Chile, and and Chile won the war. There's a little bit of history to look up into that one. We think that that's the opportunity that my great-grandfather took to move north as a doctor to set up a new practice. And uh, that gives us a clue as to maybe he went north. There's another piece of uh, Chilean history that caught my attention. All the students in Chile learned about it. My mom told me about it when I was a kid, and it was about a fire in a church in Santiago in December of 1863. The young women in, in that area, in that town, had uh, gone gotten together to have like a young women's conference with their mothers. They were dressed in traditional uh, clothing And they had all made uh, papier-mâché posters of their values, and they had hung them from the rafters inside of the church. And as they were going through uh, communion, as they were doing the service, one of the uh, deacons who had uh, 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 some candles, um, I don't know if he got tired, I don't know what happened, but few survivors tell what happened is that he slowly leaned forward and it caught fire, on one of these paper mache posters that were hanging from the ceiling, and the Uh flames went up and hit this new type of lighting that had just been installed based on hydrogen. Uh And when it hit that, the whole ceiling burst out in flames immediately. The doors of the chapel uh, were open to the inside, and so as people, as the young women rushed to get out, the doors were slammed, and with all these people pushing and pressing, there was no way to pull the doors open and get out. A lot of these women, young women, died in that fire. Now, here's the surprising thing, two things. One, is there are about 3,000 women in that very large cathedral. And wow. my great-grandfather, who was 17 years old at the time, what we found out later is that, all of his sisters and his mother died in that church fire.
1: Oh, that's sad.
2: Well, it is. so you
1: it's very- so you did found out, you know, there's things out there. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, Ken, we're coming close. We need to wrap up. I'm getting the waving here. How right. um, would someone <laughs> to get in touch with you? Uh, you know, if they need your Help, because it's so hard to find people who knew, who knows how to do genealogy these days.
2: I can give you my email. Um, please be patient with me. Um, okay. But it is, it is dissuademenot at yahoo.com. at yahoo dot com, And I believe can you, I can, that? you can put it on your website, right?
1: Yeah, I'm going to put it on there. It'll be on demand. Yeah, so...
2: And then if there are others out there who are professional genealogists um, that want to get in contact with me for references, um, that I can probably send other people to you, Um, let me know who you are, and let's see if I can get you hooked up, and uh, let's see if we can help you find your family. Yes.
1: Ken, I would love to bring you back and come on, because there's so much to talk about when it comes to genealogy family history photos i like that the idea that you talk about you know there's many stories to the picture and um where they're from where they're at because you know i have some old pictures and i look and i'm like okay what are they doing in that picture where are they at and what's going on and there's something me. they never smile <laughs> they're just <laughs> standing there just standing there i go come on give me a smile but anyway um Ken thank you so much for coming on and Ken Monson does research for genealogy and uh, do reach out to him I will be posting his email address out there so you look for it on Facebook Twitter LinkedIn and Instagram so you can get in touch with him and that will be through the Kathy Lee Parker show so Mm -hmm. thank you so much Ken for coming on oh it's a pleasure We'll do it again. We will. Okay. I'd like to thank BBS Radio. Thank you so much for airing my show. And also to Primetime Media. Thank you guys so much and have a great day.